your boy. I forgot my intro. Um, back from another video of indigestion. Um, please don't eat too fast like I just did. Uh, so yeah, I, I haven't done this series in about, I think, three weeks or so now. And it's because I'm lazy. And I'm going to even be lazier because I'm about to go watch uh, Mugen Train Demon Slayer, the movie, theaters. Now these boo-boo uh, uh, screen recordings you guys are using from Japan that don't even have correct translations or anything like that. They're not doing that. I'm not doing that. Uh, we're going to go watch this the dubbed because... That's how I think you should watch anime in America is dubbed. Uh, <laughs> and I'm going to enjoy myself. But I, I, I want to do one of these uh, podcasts real quick. I'm going to do a Mugen review of some sort and probably post it tomorrow. So I'll post this today. And I don't have any poems prepared. I haven't written a poem myself and I don't know how long uh, school's been kicking my behind. So I'm going to read one of our friend. Uh, what's the buddy's name? Frank Solanke, one of his, uh, it's not a poem, it's a story. He's doing a story now, apparently. I'm going to read one of his story chapters, just the one that's in my email right now. I'm going to read two from the Poetry Foundation, the app, and we'll just go ahead and get to it. Hope y'all enjoy. Um, any new support that I've gotten, any new supporters that I've gotten, appreciate the support, dog. So apparently it's been a month since I've done one of these. Like a month and like almost two months. So it's been almost two months, which I I lose track of time, dog. I, I listened to this song called Persistence by Lil Ugly Man, which speaks about how quick time goes. And even though I listen to that shit every day, I still apparently have no understanding of how quick time goes. So we're going to go and read ABBA, A-B-B-A, by Dennis Cooper. Not Dennis Reynolds. When you, when you hear this poem being read, you'll understand why that distinction may seem a bit, you know, incorrect. We snort all our coke on the way to the party. We bring a new album. We dance while we listen. The band is two women whose husbands control them. They do not speak our language. Each syllable is an obstacle. They are in love with a man. He is in love with another but they're in no hurry. They could wait forever. And when they are out on the make for a lover, they'll always find them. They are the tigers. We are stone to stone too. We are stone to stone too. We dance till we're tired and listen to lyrics. We mouth like a language. What we feel when we hear, what we feel when we hear them is inexpressible. We cannot put into words. Maybe our dancers show it. ABBA lives for their music. We long for each other. They see what we're doing. They put it on record. They play it. We listen. We are absolutely stunned. We feel and they know more than anyone can say. So I'll rip. I thought the ABBA was a reference to a rhyme scheme, like the A-B-B-A. Uh, there's no rhyme scheme of note that I can recognize. Um, Coke party album listen, women, them, language, obstacle. Not one Ronsky, but that man, another hurry forever out lover, him tigers, lover and another two tired lyrics, language, we inexpressible words, it. So this is no rhyme scheme here, but thematically speaking, uh, this reminds me of like a, a, uh, a mid 2010s Khalid song, a, uh, who's that chick he always works with Halsey, I think 
a Halsey song. Uh, we're no Americana. <laughs> Fucking high off legal marijuana. Yeah, I mean, basically, that's what it's reminding me of, of a, um, a coming-of-age white teenage, like, depiction of life going to a social outing. Maybe a, a beach party. That's pretty much what this is. Very youthful, very entertaining. I had fun reading it. I, I leave it to you guys to decide if it's actually cool or not or good or not. Um, but I, I enjoyed reading this. Let's go on to the next one. All right, so we go from there to Frank Solanke. Big Bounce, part 11. 11 chapters of this. Let's see what he's talking about. Just jump right into it. No, no, I don't know what the hell this is even about. I've never read anything else from, from... I've never read any Frank Zelensky anything that wasn't in these fire poetry episodes. Arya, get here as fast as you can. A panicky voice spoke on the other side of the call. This is a story, not a poetry, by the way. The bag of groceries in Arya's hand slipped through her fingers onto the road as her heart sank. Her hand holding the phone to her ear trembled. She thought she would faint. But she gave composure as a camp, camp haunter way. Is everything okay? What happened? She asked. Nothing's happened. All's fine. Just get here, came the response to the call ended. She went through a plethora of emotions in an instant. An instant that felt like eternity. Looking at the skies, she prayed and hoped for something positive all of her heart. It didn't matter what. She just hoped for something good. Though her mind was overladen with fear. Overladen with fear? Cap. Cap. She had to find one quickly. But she couldn't see any empty ones around. She couldn't possibly wait for a bus at this point. She ran as fast as her legs could towards the hospital. She wanted to call her brother-in-law again and find out the reason, but something held her back. A little hope still lingered in her heart, and she didn't want it to be extinguished. Not now, not later, never. She continued running. A uh, little ellipses here. What did you do in school, Samir asked. What did you mean, she replied. School sports. You were so bad at running. Did you ever finish ahead of anyone? Who cares about running? I'd like to wrestle. If we were together, it's going to beat the shit out of you. There were actual quotations, I would have beaten you up. Arya said as she twisted his arm behind his back and had him submit to defeat. Does Arya start? Ellipsis. Today she did care about running. Today she ran she was seven years old. Straight. Super straight. <laughs> Fast and to, and to everyone and everything that came her way. And she hoped... You can't start a sentence with Anne. She hoped Samir had learned a little thing for her from her and we're not giving submission now. Some minutes later, she found herself at the entrance of the hospital. She took a deep breath, wiped the sweat from her forehead, and stepped in. She glanced around and found nothing unusual, but this is only the entrance. Her heart rested on the third floor. She hoped it would be that way, too, when she reaches there. The elevator would take too long. She climbed the stairs despite her knees warning against it. As she reached the floor, Pranav came out of the ward crying. He's not responding anymore, he said as he rushed away in a long, crowded corridor. She was numb now. She felt nothing. No emotion upon Unfortunately, this dumb app cut me off and the alarm came on. So, go Apple. Eat a, eat a, eat a. What can I say? This PG. Eat a bologna sandwich, you jerk offs. Uh, here's the ink. I I was gonna just talk, you know, recite what I said. I didn't even know I got cut off. I was gonna recite what I said about the conclusion, but and just not read the rest of it. But the, the ending is very interesting. So I figure I'll I'll go back and say it. Where I let where I ended up. She was numb now. She felt nothing. No emotion upon hearing those words except for fatigue from running. She slowed her walk as she made her way to the corner of the ward's other half, partitioned by a pale white wall. Her eyes first glanced at her father-in-law. He was holding Samir's hand and without an expression on his face. 
Then she turned a little hesitatingly towards Samir. His eyes were open. His mouth was too. Samir was breathing, but barely. Not sure why you don't have him on some kind of ventilation machine. I don't know. He was mumbling some words in acute pain, but it doesn't seem to make any sense. When he saw Arya, he tried to lift his hand toward her. She helped him with it and noticed the coldness of his hand. At that very moment, the pulse left his body until he turned cold forever. Samir's father burst into tears at the sight. Arya remained numbed and fatigued. No tears came to her. I made a joke about no tears of the cry by Arya Grande initially, but it wouldn't really be interesting to me to make it again. She had cried every night thinking about this. She had gone through this a million times in her head. At that very moment, she felt nothing. Nothing at all. She ran her hand on his face. It was cold and disfigured. His jaw rock hard. His eyes glum. His lips dry. His scalp bald and scarred. His skin ghost dark. Ellipses. Why did you marry me, Samir asked. Ah, let me think. One, you are ugly. Two, you are cold-hearted. And three, Arya began to answer. Samir cut her off. No, I don't think I want to hear the third one. Arya answered anyway. And three, because God had written it that way. Has written it that way. Ellipses. With knees too weak to stand, Arya sat down on a chair next to his bed, bed and fell into instant slumber. When she awoke, there were earthworms crawling and conversing on her body. Not even going to recite the critique I had or anything like that because, I mean, I'm on some level, I'm the first one I left to you guys' own devices to decide what's wrong and good about that. And then, two, I really just don't want to. I mean, it was probably like another five minutes I added just talking about various elements of the story. I think it's a well-written, um, I, I think it's a very well-done thematic so far. Like, the narrative's interesting. I'm not sure if I call it the climax or maybe just a moment that helps uh, shape Arya's character for the climax. Again, I'm not sure, but it appears to be engaging enough based on the last stanza, which kind of gives a kind of uh, counter-image to what you think would happen, you know, her partner dies you would think that he's the one that's decaying but instead it's her decaying and this kind of lucid image of earthworms actually talking to each other uh seems very interesting probably a dream but seems very interesting all the same that's it for part two let's go to part three To close it out, we have something that is very interesting for a lot of different reasons, but one of which being, I didn't know he did poetry. We have To Rosa by Abraham Lincoln. Yes, that Abraham Lincoln. Uh, you, <laughs> I, yo, I, when I saw this name, the first po- poem that this app suggested to me by this person was simply titled Abraham Lincoln. It was four lines. I decided to find a different one that seemed a little bit more interesting and engaging. To Rose by Abraham Lincoln. You are young and I am older. You are hopeful. I am not. Enjoy life ere it grow colder. Pluck the roses ere they rot. Teach your bow to heed the lay. That sunshine soon is lost in shade. That now's as good as any day. To take thee, Rosa, ere she fade. So I think ear, as I'm pronouncing it, is basically like, like, lest, basically. Lest it grow colder, lest they rot, lest she fade, she being, I guess, pretty much the the life and youth infused in Rosa, his wife. I mean, it's eight bars. Very interesting. I liked reading it. It was 
cool. I mean, I, I didn't think Abraham Lincoln was that poetic. I know he did. He was a good, like, writer. Um, and that's in part what helped him, the Emancipation Proclamation. I didn't know he was a, a poet. That was, that's interesting. Abraham Lincoln, pretty pretty cool dude, it looks like. Pretty overall great guy. Uh, Free the blacks, which is, you know, that was, that was, a, that was a big one. Uh, <laughs> I need to stop. Anyway, uh, <laughs> shout out to the homie Abraham Lincoln, RIP. Uh, I feel like it's a pretty decent send-off. Hope you all enjoy these three um, little, I won't even say poems. I think one was a poem and the latter two were something distinctly different. Uh, but I had fun in this chaos that I created, and I hope you all did too. Again, feedback however you can. Anchor.fm slash Black Bill Bird. Apple Podcast. You know, there's ways of giving feedback, and I really want to see I can prove this guy, prove this for you guys. So, please.